Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. G'day church. Um, If I haven't met you, I'm Michael, uh, lead pastor here at Salt. Great to have you along with us. Uh, Welcome. Uh, Let me give you a plug for next week. Come along to church next week. Come along every Sunday night. But next week, Vision Sunday. Uh, How are we going to grow as Salt Church this year? How are you going to grow as a disciple? How are we going to keep making disciples in 2023? That's the the topic for next week. Uh, So come along, pray, get into the Bible, think into that with us uh, next Sunday night. Now, let me tell you, uh, this is sounding loud. Am I, am I booming? Yep, I think I need to be turned down. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the authority. That's uh, no, not, it's just the volume. <laughs> uh, let me tell you about my week. Um, all of our girls are away this week. Uh, so our eldest is on a holiday. Our two youngest are on a leader's training thing. They just got back tonight at uh, Port Hacking. Uh, so our house has been incredibly quiet. Uh, we've had a, Nat and I have had a great time. We've, Nat and I have spent a lot of time together uh, this week. Uh, I've loved that. You have to talk to Nat whether she feels the same. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, this week, something's been niggling at me. Uh, something's been uh, making me feel nervous about this Sunday. And it's the talk I'm giving you tonight. It's, it's Luke chapter 12, Jesus... One of Jesus' sharpest parables, and it's the topic of money. Now, have you noticed in church, when you you say the word money, it goes quiet. Uh, There's there's an awkwardness that I could really offend you tonight, or maybe Jesus could offend you. Uh, Money is a taboo topic, isn't it? Um, Next time you're at a party, try this. Just go up to someone and say, yeah, yeah, so... How much do you earn? <laughs> Who's gutsy enough? Who's going to do that? Uh, what kind of response do you think you'll get? I don't think it's going to be a good one. In fact, why don't we try it tonight here at church? Um, I'll get you all to put your hand up in a minute, and I'm going to say a number, and you put your hand down when that's the amount that you... Some people are looking incredibly worried. Uh, we're not going to do it. But why is there, why is there that awkwardness about talking about what we earn. Uh, it's, it's a window into our hearts, money, isn't it? We actually open ourselves up for lots of judgments um, when we tell people what we earn. Uh, it gets worse when we, people find out what we spend our money on. It tells people what we value. Uh, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, there exposes you uh, for who you are. There's, there's a connection between your heart and your wallet. It's like there's a string connected uh, between your heart and between your hip, uh, your wallet. Uh, you pull on one, the other one moves. You get the, get the idea. Uh, when, we, when Jesus talks about money, he's actually going to be getting to the heart of what's going on for you. Uh, what you value, what you think is important. Uh, when he's talking about you as a person, that's going to have implications for your money. It actually just gets really personal, doesn't it, when we talk about money. 
Uh, we're, we're, kind of, we're afraid to talk about money with one another, but did you notice that Jesus isn't? You read through the Gospels and Jesus is always talking about money. Uh, it's the topic he addresses the most because he's deeply interested in us, in our hearts, and he knows there's a connection. So in our series, uh, as Kelsey said, A Better Way, tonight, A Better Way to Be Financially Secure. Open up to Luke chapter 12, have it in front of you. Uh, We're going to look at Luke 12, then I'll turn to 1 Timothy 6, uh, and we'll think about what does Paul say to us as followers of Jesus about this topic. But Luke chapter 12, look there, verse 13, it all starts uh, with a quibble over money. Uh, let me say it differently, a bit more strongly, a dispute. It's a dispute, isn't it? A dispute over an, an inheritance. And here's the thing. Uh, since when did money and wills ever cause catfights? Uh, it's kind of, it happened in the first century, it happens right up to this day, doesn't it? Uh, there's something about it. Someone in the crowd, verse 13, says to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Best piece of advice I ever got on inheritances is is this: don't expect to get one. Uh, the best wisdom I ever got on on making a will: make it super clear uh, and talk to your family first uh, in advance. And why is that? Because the love of money, greed, brings the worst out in families. It actually brings the worst out in all of us. Um, here's a, here's a uh, picture from the movie Wall Street, the first one, not, I reckon the first one's the, the great one from the 80s, you're all too young, uh, second one was a dud. Uh, in this movie, Lou is the experienced ethical fund manager, he's talking to Bud Fox, the, the, the new recruit, the stockbroker, who's cutting corners, who's, who Lou can see your, do you realise what you're dealing with here, uh, And Lou says to him, the main thing about money, bud, is that it makes you do things you don't want to do. I reckon that sums it up really well. And here it is, Jesus coming, hearing this dispute. Verse 14, he says, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? I'll let you sort that out. I'm not getting involved. But here's something super important. Here's something super important. Look at verse 14. Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in in an abundance of possessions. Now, why do you reckon reckon Jesus says, watch out? Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. It's because greed creeps up on you. It's because greed is seductive, even more seductive than any other sin. So subtle uh, that we don't even notice it's happening to us. Uh, It's really interesting over the years uh, in ministry, uh, having people come and confess their sins, uh, which is, it's a great thing for us to do with one another. Uh, But I can't ever remember anyone coming to me and saying, I really struggle with greed. I really need help because I'm greedy. I just want more and more possessions. I need to be, I need forgiveness. 
That desire for more and more possessions is very subtle, isn't it? Uh, you kind of, you, we live in a culture where that's the norm and you, you're kind of swimming in it and you don't even realise uh, you're caught up in it. And Jesus says here, this is a major, major danger. I reckon in one line, Jesus kills the Aussie dream. What's the Aussie dream? Life is all about what you own. Keeping up with the Joneses, the idea that if I had a little bit more income, if I had a a few more things, if I had a slightly better car, slightly better house, I'd feel happier, I'd be more secure, I'd feel more significant, I'd be in in better circles. Until you realise... Actually, the people that do earn a little bit more than you, have a slightly nicer house or maybe a much nicer house than you, are actually the same people who are chasing the same security through money and possessions. Uh, It's just upward, upward cycle, isn't it? Deep down, I think we know that it's not satisfying, but we keep chasing it. And it's worth asking the question, why is it that we are wealthier than we've ever been and we're still not satisfied. I was reading this week that we're three times wealthier than people that lived in the 1950s. For most of you, that's your grandparents. Uh, seven times wealthier than the people that lived in the 19, in 1900. But still, we say enough is not enough. Now, why is this? Well, King Solomon in the Bible had some answers, but you don't even need to be a Christian to work it out. Have a listen. I'm going to give you a quote from Arnie Schwarzenegger. Uh, here's, a, here's a picture of him. Um, yeah, incredibly wealthy guy. He's being interviewed on Oprah Winfrey. She's an incredibly wealthy woman. And she asked him, what's it like with all this success and fame and money? Um, what has it brought you? This is what he says. Money doesn't make you happy. I won't do the accent. I'm no happier on 50 million than I was on 48 million. It's meant to be a joke. Um, now, here's another one Spike Milligan. He said, All I ask is the chance to prove money doesn't make you happy. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Uh, we know it doesn't work, we joke about it, um, we, we, we play around with it, we want the opportunity to see that's not what it's worth. But listen to this guy, Jim Carey, uh, who's incredibly honest, has a lot of money. He says this, there's a quote on the screen. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of. Why? So they can see that it's not the answer. See, greed doesn't satisfy. You don't even need to be a Christian. You don't even need to be worshipping God to work that out. But the the Bible says that greed doesn't satisfy because greed is idolatry. Now, what is idolatry? Idolatry is the worship of a false god. That's what the Bible's saying. Greed is the worship of a false god. And why do we go to this false god? It's because we're made for worship. We're made to love someone, feel secure within someone or something, uh, have our hopes and dreams caught up in someone or something and we go to the very alluring God of money and possessions. Now, how do you, how do you work out what your God is? How would you know whether you're worshipping a false God? Well, here's, here's some questions for you. What is it that you live for? What would you say I'm living for if someone 
was to ask you. Um, if someone looked at your life, what do you sacrifice for? Uh, here's another one. What are you afraid will be taken away? What it, whatever it is that you think will bring significance and purpose and security to your life, that's what's going to control your life. That's what you're living for. That's your God. And money and possessions are incredibly alluring gods. Now, it's like all good lies. They, they half deliver, don't they? So money does offer some security. Uh, there's, nothing, there's, nothing, um, there's nothing good about being poor. There's nothing good about um, feeling vulnerable because you don't have what you need. Uh, there's nothing good about uh, being in huge debt you can't afford or not being able to provide for the people that you have responsibility for. But after you've provided for, for, your, for the needs of yourself and others around you that you, you take responsibility for, there's, there's a real meaninglessness to chasing after more and more. Have a listen to King Solomon in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes. He says, you know, he's an incredibly wealthy man, much more wealthy than Arnie Schwarzenegger. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? As soon as you look to possessions for your security, your significance, your purpose, they'll never, ever be enough. Now, why is this? Uh, well, here's, here's three quick reasons for you. Uh, you might have thought about this yourself. Um, isn't it true that after a while, things become ordinary? Uh, let me explain. So you look forward with great excitement for the next thing, the next tech, piece of technology, the new handbag, the shoes, the furniture, the car, the surfboard, the new home. Uh, you're so excited to get it. Then you get it and then very quickly, it just becomes ordinary, doesn't it? It's not that exciting anymore. Um, I don't know if you've ever noticed, uh, you walk down your street, you see the council clean-up, you see what people put out on the council clean-up. Uh, isn't it, you, you look at what you put out, I look at what I put out, and you look at those things and you go, five years ago, I was super excited about that. <laughs> five years ago, that was the meaning of life, and now it's heading for landfill. Second thing, yesterday's luxuries become today's necessities, become invisible tomorrow. It's called, they call it lifestyle creep. Uh, Everything just moves up in quality and standard until that becomes the norm and you're not satisfied with it anymore. So let me uh, let you in on a secret. Um, Don't tell anyone this, but at our home, we've got a flat screen TV. That's super exciting, isn't it? Uh, Now, 15, 20 years ago, a mate of mine got married uh, a whole lot of people put in, I think it was $8,000 to buy him and his wife a flat screen TV. Uh, everyone thought it was awesome. Everyone thought his place was just the best. Go and watch the footy at his place because he's got the flat screen TV. Um, within a few years, I reckon something must have happened to it because I noticed it wasn't at his house and he'd got a bigger one. And now it's not that big a deal, is it, to have a flat screen TV? In fact, don't you see flat screen TVs on the side of the road ready for landfill? Uh, it's the same with lots of things, isn't it? Uh, I, I can remember our family getting a microwave. Now, how exciting is that? 
We've got a microwave at our house. You should be excited. Um, we've got a dishwasher in our place. I remember when we first got a dishwasher. No one goes into a kitchen now and goes, wow, that's amazing. This place is so cool. It's got a microwave, it's got a dishwasher. They're, they're just normal things. See how the bar's just gone up and it just keeps, keeps rising. Thirdly, I reckon we assess our wealth based on our peers. Uh, we think we're not doing well or we're doing well based on what our peers are doing. Uh, and we kind of get in groups of people that are kind of like us, with the same kind of wealth as us, income as us. And then we all think, oh, we're not doing that great. We, we want to go up to the next level. And it just keeps repeating. Um, people in marketing get this. Um, they market things. If, if you're into marketing, you know better than me. Um, market towards a certain price bracket, a certain person, a certain income, uh, and push them up to the next level. Uh, this week, we were, Nat and I were in the city for my day off in Sydney, uh, and we went down George Street, and we went, to some, we went past, so you know those shops where you look in and you go, I just can't go into this shop, it's far, far, it's like five levels above me, I'm not even dressed appropriately, uh, we saw this guy who tried to get into a jeweller, uh, and they closed the door on him, they, they spoke to him through the gap in the door. I, I don't know what the conversation was, probably something like, you know, you need an appointment, you're not coming in here. I don't know what the conversation was. But you go past those stores and you see there's a handbag on sale and it's $2,000. And you think, I'm not in that circle. You're, you're not getting that gift. Um, um, but there are people in that store who are looking at that handbag and probably thinking, oh, that that's pretty good, you know. And there's salespeople in that store thinking, I want to get them to buy the more expensive handbag because they can afford that one. Let me... And it just keeps going up and up and up. Now, don't, when Jesus warns us about greed, don't hear Jesus saying, he's not anti-possessions, he's not against us owning things, owning possessions. But let me put it this way, he's against possessions owning us. Massive difference, isn't it? He's warning us in the strongest possible ter- terms, watch out for greed. Uh, you could put it this way, money and possessions, wonderful servants, but terrible masters. Uh, great gifts from God, but not God, not to be worshipped. And it's not even like our deepest desires are wrong, are they? It's not wrong to want security, significance, It's not wrong to want to be wealthy, to be rich. But Jesus is saying that is misplaced in money and possessions. And so Jesus tells this parable, look down at verse 16. Uh, It's a man who, a a certain rich man who yielded an abundant harvest, a massive harvest. And so there he is. All his ships have come in. He's, He's got plenty of money. Uh, God has massively blessed him, because that's where all good uh, gifts come from, all wealth comes from. And what's he got now? He's got a responsibility. What's he going to do with that wealth? How's he going to invest it? What's he going to do? And so what does he do? He gets busy planning. Look down verse 17 and 18. Uh, What will I do? Verse Verse 18, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. You can picture him, can't you? He gets the architects in, he draws up the plans, uh, it's all happening on his big property, um, 
this is, this is great news. He's never had this much money in, in his whole life. Everyone's impressed. He's made a whole lot of other friends. The mayor comes to visit him. He's working super hard. He's working overtime. He's skipping exercise. Uh, he's drinking a little bit more because of the stress. Uh, and what is his goal? One day, I'll be comfortable. One day, I'll be secure. Look at verse 19. I'll say to myself, one day you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. If I could just get to that goal, that's the dream I'm working for. And you can imagine him working really hard at night, uh, long into the, into the night, uh, pouring over the plans. When one night, he's working at his desk and there's a knock at the door. And who's at the door? Death is at the door. And death says to him, you're coming with me. I'm going to count you out. Ten, nine. He, th- he thinks, oh, this can't be right. This is 30, surely this is 30 years too early. I'm, I've got so much to offer. I've got so much to do. Seven, I'll make lifestyle changes. I'll exercise more. I'll stop drinking. Six, five, I'll give money to charity. Four, Three, I'll give 10%, I'll give 20%, I'll give, I'll give 30%, two, all of my wealth, I'll give it all away, one. And in the morning they find him dead, slumped over the plans that he's worked so hard for, for the bigger barns. And look what Jesus says, God says to him, verse 20, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself. Wow, you fool. What did he do wrong? Uh, some people say he actually acted financially pretty sensibly. Um, what do you reckon he did wrong? Talk to the person next to you, short break. 30 seconds, what did he do wrong? Okay, lots of banter. Let me pause you there. Um, Lots of comments. Um, I won't hear from you, but I reckon here's where it's at. I reckon, isn't it obvious when you hear him speak, it's all about him. Did you notice it? Uh, Verse 17, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Verse 18, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns I'll build bigger ones, and there I I will store my surplus grain. It's all about him, isn't it? Uh, Who's missing in the equation? God is missing. Uh, He he doesn't have a place for God. In fact, everyone else is missing except for him. He doesn't seem to care about anyone else. It's all about him, him, him. No thought about God, no thought about eternity. That's his life. And isn't that, a, isn't that a picture of so many, uh, so many Aussies? We, we so often, what do we see? We see people giving so much time, so much planning to the things in their, this life, their careers, their homes, their retirements, hardly any time about God and eternity. Now, I was reading this article in the, the Guardian. It was actually a year old, but I read it this week. Uh, it said that they've changed the rules, this is good to know, if you play Oz Lotto, 
they've changed the rules. Um, now, what do you think, how do you think they've changed the rules? It's to make it harder to get the jackpot. They're not going to change the rules to make it easier. They're going to make it... <laughs> so, so here's, here's the odds. It used to... What's the chance of winning the jackpot? It used to be 1 in 45 million. They've now changed it to 1 in 62 million. Now, I reckon if you were to talk to someone who plays Oslotto and you were to ask them, if you won, what would you do with the money? I reckon you'd get a pretty good conversation out of that. They're playing it for a purpose. They know exactly what they're going to do with the money. They've got a dream. They've got a hope. But what if you're asked this, this question? What would you do if you die? Because the odds of dying are one in one. There's a 100% chance you'll die. You've given zero thought to it. There's a one in 62 million chance you'll win Oslotto and you've thought tons about it. It's just around the wrong way, isn't it? Uh, Here's this man who faces God on the last day, like we will all face God on the last day. What will matter? Do you know God or does he know you? And what will he ask you? What have you done with the good gifts that I've given you? Those questions sharpen life, don't they? They actually need us, we need to think into those questions really, really hard because what's the conclusion for this man? Verse 20, you fool, your life's been taken from you. Now who will get what you've prepared, what you've worked so hard for? Well, who knows who'll get it? Probably the people like the people at the beginning of the parable who were fighting over it and were selfish. Uh, very clear, isn't it? Money doesn't deliver the security at that point. And notice in verse 21, this is how it will be, not only for him, but for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Now again, it's just worth doubling down. It's not, it's not that a desire is wrong, it's not wrong to feel secure, to want to be rich, but what's, what's he saying? He's saying real riches come from God. So whether you're, wealthy, whether you're financially wealthy or not, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, be rich in God, which I think is him saying, be rich in relationship to God. Uh, get your security, your purpose, your significance from God. But also be rich towards God. Uh, don't be selfish, invest your time, your money, your resources in the things that matter to God be rich towards God. And I reckon he's also saying a third thing, and that is think long-term, not short-term. You will have to deal with the necessities of life, uh, but don't let, as you focus on this life, don't let that uh, obscure your sight for eternal life. Because you very easily get caught up in this life and forget eternity. So there it is. There's a very stark warning from Jesus uh, and you might be thinking to yourself, surely we wouldn't fall into that trap. That's a pretty stark example, isn't it? Gaining security, forgetting from money, forgetting about God. I reckon Jesus is saying it to us because it's so seductive. That's why he says, watch out. That's why he says, be on your guard. It's so alluring, it's so attractive. You mustn't think it won't happen to you. 
Watch out, Jesus says. Check yourself regularly. Because you notice, Jesus is saying this parable not to the, the atheist, not to the person who um, necessarily doesn't give God thought in the, in the end. He's actually saying it to the disciple. Uh, you, you'll need to check in this yourself, but I was reading the beginning of this chapter, the beginning of chapter 12, and it's actually full of warnings and expectations from Jesus to his disciples. And so he's saying to the disciples, here's three things that'll get you. One is religious hypocrisy, don't be like the Pharisees, you know, all a facade, no heart, don't love God, don't love other people. Uh, Secondly, uh, you're going to be persecuted, people will not necessarily love you, it's going to be tough to to claim the name of Jesus, Um, people might even kill you, don't be afraid of them, put your trust in me. But thirdly, watch out for greed for possessions. In fact, this uh, parable comes just before that section where Jesus says, don't worry about your life, I've got it sorted, you'll have what you need, there's a danger here that you're so caught up in this life, you forget the next and what matters. Well, there's what not to do. What's the positive? Well, turn, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, let's uh, listen to the Apostle Paul speaking to the church instructions to the church uh, for followers of Jesus, what's the, the positive? The positive is be content. Have a look there in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, here's the goal, here's the thing if you're a follower of Jesus, here's what to, to major on, but godliness with contentment is great gain. There's what you to strive for, contentment. Uh, verse 7, but for we brought nothing into this world, we, can, we also take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. See, there's the reminder, contentment is the goal, uh, be satisfied with the things that you've got now, enjoy the things you've got now. Um, it's actually worth putting lifestyle limits on yourself, isn't it? So, so you don't just keep upping the standard of living, the spending, as your income increases, you just, get, you just spend more and more on yourself, Uh, and you have less and less to give away. Uh, Don't be like that. Be content. There is great gain in that. But notice in verse 9, there's those familiar warnings. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. In fact, some people have actually wandered from Jesus, Paul says, because their focus has been on money. We saw that with the rich fool. What's the positive? Look down in verse 11, but you, man of God, you, person of God, flee from all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life which you were called. In other words, commit yourself to the things that matter. Commit yourself to the eternal things. And what are you to do if you are rich Uh, well, that's all of us in this room by world standards. So verse 17, I think, is for all of us. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Don't put your trust in money. Uh, that 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 is not the place to gain security. 
But what does he say? Enjoy the good things that God's given you. They're a gift from God. They're to be enjoyed. It's not wrong uh, to have an overseas trip. It's not wrong to buy the new car. Enjoy them, but do beware. Beware of the lifestyle creep. Beware of greed. Uh, Put limits on yourself uh, so your lifestyle doesn't just keep increasing and you've got less and less to give away. And as you think about investing Think about investing in the things that matter. I don't know whether you've thought about this, but think about using your time, your resources, your money for eternal things, uh, an eternal investment. Uh, It comes here in verse 18. Be rich where it actually counts. Number of things, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, how you live, but also to be generous and willing to share. Uh, I've got a mate uh, who is a very wealthy man uh, and is a very generous man uh, who I think really does think hard about how he can use his wealth for the, for the good of others and also how he can use his wealth for the good of the gospel, making disciples. Uh, he's, he wouldn't share it with everyone, but he's given loads of money away. Uh, and it was really interesting as I've got to know him, to watch his lifestyle. I think to myself, he could have a really extravagant lifestyle. He could drive a really, really, really nice car. Uh, And he does have a nice car. It's got leather seats, it's got all the features, uh, it's a really nice brand, until you see the really, really nice car and you realise he doesn't have that car, he has that car because he loves Jesus and he wants to give a lot of his money away. He's actually made a sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom. He actually gets eternal things. He realises it's not all about him. He realises God's given him the, the gift of money and he wants to be generous. He wants to invest in the things that matter. Look at verse 19. It's the eternal things again. In this way, if you do this, if you're rich in good deeds, you you're generous, you will lay up for yourself treasure as a firm foundation in the coming age so that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. It is a sacrifice, you are giving up, but he's saying actually you're investing in the best possible thing, eternal life. You're actually uh, engaging in life that is truly life. Here's where life is truly found. In other words... How do you work out whether you, God is, uh, money is your God? How would you know if you're worshipping possessions and greedy? I reckon Paul's saying, can you give it away? Can you be generous? There's the test. What you give your money to is a really good indicator of where your heart is. Uh, if you're on about the things of God, if you care about making disciples... Uh, if you're really honest with yourself, that's where you'll give your dollars. And it's different for each of us, isn't it? It's not a, we're not to judge one another about what we buy, what we earn, how much we give, because generosity is not a dollar sign. Generosity's got to do with the heart. That's why it's such a personal thing, isn't it? Uh, and, and God knows our hearts and God wants our hearts and He wants our hearts to be transformed. Uh, So some of us will be able to uh, give lots 
and some of us in dollar terms give far less. Uh, Paul's saying, be generous. And I reckon it's so awesome to see at Salt people giving sacrificially uh, to the work that we're doing here of making lifelong disciples. Uh, people giving large sums of money, giving uh, small sums of money, regular sums of money for the work of making disciples. Because uh, what it says is, it's really encouraging, because I reckon it's a really healthy sign, because it, what it says is our security is not in money. It's a gift from God. Uh, it says we, we, are, we are being generous. We want to be rich towards God and that we have our eyes set on eternity. So let, let, me, uh, let me sum up uh, before we pray. Uh, what have we said? Clear on this. Possessions, money, good, not evil. Good gifts from God. Possessions, money are terrible masters, but great servants. Uh, what has Jesus said? Watch out, be on your guard. Don't make money your God but be rich in God and be rich towards God. Invest in the things that matter. Why don't I pray? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this sober reminder tonight uh, from the Lord Jesus to be on our guard against greed, uh, which is idolatry. Father, thanks for your loving care of us that you would bring this warning to us Father, thank you for Jesus who, though he was rich, became poor for our sake so that we might be truly rich, enjoy the life that is truly life. Father, please uh, help us to be generous, help us to be rich in good deeds, willing to share, help us to keep our, our eyes set on eternal things. Uh, Father, we, we long for our hearts to continue to be changed and long for our hearts to be pleasing to you uh, in this regard. And we pray in Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake, amen.